0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, so let's open up to Mark chapter 7. So as you turn to Mark chapter 7, I' just give you a heads up. We're going to cover uh, verses 24 through 37. So let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your word. Thank you for just this time of worship, and we continue our worship of you by studying your word. So we pray for understanding, we pray for fresh insight. Lord, we pray that you help us to apply your word to our lives. Or if there's any stubbornness, hardness or anything like that in our hearts, we pray that you would drive it out because we want to be more like Jesus. And I pray, Father, for the gift of teaching, for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. So may the people hear from you, Father, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now in our previous lesson, and the previous lesson was, In Mark 7 verses 1 through 23, uh, Jesus corrected a misconception that the religious Jewish leaders had about defilement or uncleanness. And, And that idea, that belief that they had, that misconception these Jewish religious leaders had infected other people to the point where they thought that if they ate Certain foods with unwashed hands, according to the ceremonial way they wash their hands, then they will be defiled. They will be unclean. But Jesus corrected that misconception because he taught that a person is unclean because of what comes out of them, because of the condition of their hearts the core of their being, the ruling center of that person. If that was dirty, then dirty stuff is going to come out, whether it's actions or words or even thoughts. And so what Jesus taught in our previous study showed us that we have a need for a new heart. Every human being, we need a new heart. We need a new nature, one that loves God, that loves people the way he wants us to. We need a new heart that desires to do the will of God and not to do those things that please our sin nature. Now, in this study tonight, we're going to see that Jesus is going to change locations. And of course, he's going to continue his great work. Remember, in the gospel, according to Mark, the emphasis is on Jesus, the servant. And so you'll see a lot of his actions and it's going to be Uh, Moving quick because he is a man or a God of action, the perfect servant. And so um, I just want to remind you you see words like immediately, and maybe you've noticed those already. As I pointed out in the very first lesson, you're going to see words like immediately and words close to that because it's concerned with the works of Jesus. And so he's going to change locations in this study, but continue his great work, Jesus, the servant. And then of course, the people in this study, they're going to say something about Jesus that is so profound. On surface, it just seems so simple. But when you really think about what these people are going to say about them, you're going to realize how profound it is and how maybe we've read this scripture so many times and have overlooked how profound this statement is going to be. And I'll show you what it is when we get to it. And what these people say about Jesus will be a great reminder. And of course, it'll be a blessing to us. In whatever situation or mindset we find ourselves in. And so I would just encourage you tonight to just ask God to help get rid of distractions. Because I believe that, I mean, this is the word of God. It's alive. So I believe that this is a timely word for today that all of us needs. Not just you, but me as well. The one who Is bringing the message. But let's start in verses 24 through 26 in Mark 7. It says, from there he arose, Jesus arose, and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. She was a Gentile. She was a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking Jesus to cast a demon out of her daughter. Matthew 15, asks the following information. Because there we, we see what she said. In Matthew 15, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region. And cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. And so already we see that Jesus left the region of Galilee, which is the area in northern Israel. And then he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is Gentile land. These people, they're not Jews. And Tyre and Sidon, by the way, are Phoenician cities in Syrian territory. And these two cities were along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And Sidon in relation to Tyre is uh, less than 20 miles north of Tyre. And so Jesus was in this location. And, And he wanted his being there to be a secret. But of course, it didn't work out that way. Because we see that a Syrophoenician woman whose daughter had a demon, this Gentile woman, we, we see that she found him. Now it says in Matthew 15:22 that she was a woman of Canaan. And it referred to a Phoenician at the time of Christ, that he was on the earth uh, uh, ministering. This woman, of course, would beg Jesus to help her demon-possessed daughter. And it just goes to show us that, just like this woman did, that many of us would do just about anything to help our children. Many of us would do just about anything to help our other loved ones outside of our children or our spouse. Do just about anything but Do do we take our loved ones? Do we take our children to the Lord in prayer? You see, unbelievers, when they're desperate enough, they'll even ask a believer for prayer. They may not believe in the Lord. They may mock you for being a Christian. They may mock the Bible, but when there's tragedy in their lives and they're desperate enough, even unbelievers in their desperation, will do anything for their family, even ask a Christian for prayer. My question is, are you available for people to ask you to pray for them or to pray for their loved ones or friends? Even if they don't agree with the God of the Bible that you believe in, would you be available? So one of the most important things we can do for our loved ones is to intercede for them. In prayer, This is what we call an accessory prayer. We go to the Lord on behalf of other people. We stand in the gap. We pray for our children. We pray for our community. We pray for our family members, our classmates and coworkers. And so we ought to do that for our loved ones. But we ought to love everyone as, as Jesus told us to to love even our enemies, which means that if we should pray for people we love, then we should even pray for our enemies. I like what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, there's our word, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for all people, including kings, presidents, mayors, governors, and all who are in authority that we may lead, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Some translations say dignity in place of reverence. But in other words, we're we praying for our leadership or we should be so that we'll be able to lead these quiet and peaceable lives and also lives that are godly and honorable. So the thing I wanted to point out to you is to pray for all people as the scriptures tell us to. Notice supplications, these are petitions or specific requests and prayers is a broad term for prayer. Could include adoration. Of course, intercessions, praying on behalf of others, as it says in First Timothy two one, and giving of thanks. So thanksgiving in our prayers. I do want you to take a look at Matthew 15, verses 23 through 25. It says, the story continues, that Jesus answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshiped him. In other words, she knelt down before Jesus and she was saying, Lord, help me. But Jesus said, To the Syrophoenician woman, let the children be filled first for It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs or puppies. These will be pet dogs, household pets. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs, even the pet dogs, the puppies under the table eat from the children's crumbs. So, obviously, the children here would refer to the nation of Israel or the Jewish people. And the pet dogs would refer to the Gentiles or the non Jews. And by the way, Jesus wasn't using dogs in a derogatory way as some of the Jewish people did. Those who were for example, of the religious elite, and they looked down on Gentiles, they would see them as scavengers. And so they would use dogs in that manner. But Jesus didn't use that word for dogs. He he meant puppies, the pet dogs, in an example that he gave. And so what it's saying here is that Jesus gave the Israelites the first opportunity to receive him and God's plan of salvation, to go first to the Jews and They had been prepped, by the way, by the law and the prophets. So they were to look for the Messiah. They were to look for the Christ. They were to expect him. They had the law. They had the prophets. They had the writings. The the three main parts of the Old Testament scriptures, the the Hebrew Bible, all throughout there. It it mentions Jesus. It points to Jesus. Jesus even, even says that you search the scriptures. Because in them you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. So Jesus told us, he, he told the people at that time that the Old Testament is all about me. It points to me. There's types and figures and shadows of me in there, there's prophecies of Jesus in the scriptures of the Old Testament. And so the Jews, they should have known that he was the Messiah, they should have seen these signs. They were to expect him. And so he came to them to give them first dibs or the first opportunity to receive him. That was his order, God's order in the plan of salvation. But by the way, God always had Gentiles, the non-Jews in mind in that same plan of salvation. And we see that in Isaiah 49, verse 6. It says, indeed, he says, this is God, the father. It is Too small a thing that you, this is speaking of the son, Jesus. He was always the son. He didn't just start existing in Bethlehem. He didn't just start existing in Mary's womb. No, he always was, always is, and always will be God. It's eternal. But at a certain part of history, he took upon a human body so he can die for us. But the father says, it is too small a thing that you, Jesus, son, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you a light as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So in other words, it's it's a small thing just for you to do a work for and in the Jews. And yes, he still has a plan for them, for the nation of Israel. But that's a small thing just to do that. No, he's telling the son, I I have something much bigger for you. For you to be my salvation to the ends of the earth, which would include Gentiles. In Romans 1.16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Notice it says for the Jew first. It lines up with the words of Christ where he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so there we see that it lines up that for the Jew first, they get first dibs, first opportunity. Why? Because they were prepped for it. The ideal plan was for the Jews to receive God, to honor God, and then share God with the Gentiles. That was the ideal plan, but Jesus did that perfectly. This was His order. And Greek, by the way, in Romans one sixteen, referred to Gentiles, the non-Jews, and so this gospel of Christ—it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. And so, in the gospel, we, we see that it is power packed to change lives of of any person scriptures tell us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god jews gentiles man woman boy girl we need a savior and and the gospel message if we will receive that message it has the power to change our lives it has the power to change our relationship with god we we go from going a separate way from god Our shepherd, our heavenly father, and we turn to him and now we have a relationship with him. The barrier of sin is gone and Jesus is that ladder who connects us. Oh, you remember Jacob's ladder? Remember that dream he had? Jesus is the ladder who connects heaven and earth. He's the only way to heaven. He's the ladder to heaven. He closes the gap. And we learn about this Jesus. We, we learn about this salvation in the gospel of Christ. And it's for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And we are seeing this here in our study in Mark chapter 7. But one thing I want to point out about this woman, this Syrophoenician, this Gentile woman, is that she was not trying to get Jesus. If you notice her words, she was not trying to get Jesus to... to to bypass the Israelites and, and start helping her. She wasn't trying to get him to stop feeding the children first. She wasn't trying to disrupt the order of God's plan of salvation. All she wanted was the crumbs. So all she wanted was the crumbs, the leftovers. So as Jesus fed the Jews, she was, she was willing to wait for the crumbs of their blessings that would come through his ministry to the Israelites. She was willing to wait for those crumbs, the leftover from his ministry to her. I know there's a proper order in your plan of salvation, but whatever's left over, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take it. That was her mindset. But how about us? How about us? Do we recognize that whatever we get from God Is undeserved. Or do we think that he owes it to us? That it's a must-have. That, Lord, I deserve this. I haven't said a bad word today. I haven't done anything bad on the road today, even though somebody cut me off. I deserve your blessings. But we need to understand that all that we are in Christ... Everything that we have in Christ, everything that we get in Christ, even whatever is yet to come in Christ, it's because of his grace. It's just undeserved favor. It's a, it's a gift that we receive from him and it's only available through Christ. So the question one more time is, are we thankful for the crumbs? Are we thankful for what we consider the big blessings? Or are we thankful for the small blessings? We take it for granted that we get to... Open up our eyes every morning. Become so routine, we forgot to to thank the Lord this morning. Maybe not some of you. But there's many people who forget to thank the Lord for the, even the simple things. Thank you, Lord, for the oxygen. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the vegetables. I don't like all the vegetables, Lord, but I know it's good for me, so thank you. Oh, God, I thank you for my children and their health. And, Lord, sometimes they get on my nerves, but, Lord... Thank you for my children. Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you, Lord, for just the skills that you allow me to acquire, a simple skill that we don't even think about often, but a simple skill as writing and being able to read, being able to type, those things that we have the ability to learn that not all people have, the opportunities that we have in this country. Are we thankful for those? Are we thankful that our gas, is not $5 a gallon, just the little things and be like this woman here, this, this, this humble woman who will be just thankful for the crumbs and Matthew 15, 28, just part of it. It says, then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And then back in Mark 7, 29, and what we're doing here is filling in the blanks, looking at Matthew and Mark. In verse 29 of Mark 7, it says, Then he said to her, for this saying, for the way you answered, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And then that second part of Matthew 15, 28 says this, And her daughter was healed from that very hour. All because she stuck with Jesus. She didn't give up. And when she had come to her house in Mark 730, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. So some people will consider Jesus to be mean for the way he responded. Oh, no, he wasn't being mean. He knew what was in the woman and he was drawing it out of her. What was he drawing out of her? He was drawing out her faith. He knew exactly what she had in her. So he was responding that way. And and she responded well. Because the scriptures tell us that he rewarded her faith. It's the same thing with us. God knows exactly what's in us. And so sometimes he'll allow certain things in our lives. Or sometimes he'll seem to be unresponsive to our requests, to our prayers. Lord, don't you see me suffering? Can't you hear what I'm saying? I'm reading the scriptures. I'm meditating upon your word. Can't you hear me? Can't you see what I'm going through? And he may seem unresponsive. But sometimes it's to show us what we didn't know we had in us. Sometimes he wants to show us how far we've come. Sometimes he allowed those things in our lives or sometimes he seems to be unresponsive to get us to practice our faith, to put our faith to use. We sing about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. We advise people all the time about having faith. Oh, but now there's come a point in our lives we get to exercise it. The testing of our faith, it it matures us. So sometimes he, he does this to show us what we did not know that we had in us. Sometimes he does these things, allow these things, or is unresponsive, or at least seems to be, to show us how far we still need to grow. And sometimes he's doing it to allow us to be an example. And I believe that this Syrophoenician woman, being an example that Jesus, so to speak, was using her as an example, perhaps for the disciples and other people in generations to come like us, where we can see that faith is something that pleases God. In fact, Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, you cannot please God. It's impossible. For whoever comes to God, you have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder those who diligently seek him. And he rewarded this woman. And so this woman's faith was shown in her persistence. Not giving up. So I would encourage you to be persistent in prayer until you get an answer. But if God already gave you an answer. If he already said no. If he already said wait or yes. just stop praying about it. He gave you the answer already. You're not going to change his mind. Prayer helps us to get in God's will. It helps us to get aligned to his will. It does not change God's will. That's not what prayer does. And as you pray, make sure it lines up with specific scriptures from the word of God. Or at least make sure it lines up with principles from the word of God. Because you may not see a scripture in there about, God, should I buy this car? You're not going to see that in there. But there are certain scriptures, certain principles in there about greed. Are you being greedy? (laughs) Are, are Are you buying it just to impress people? There's principles in there that you don't do stuff for wrong motives. Although you may not see the word car in there. So as we pray, make sure it lines up with specific scriptures from the word of God or at least the principles. And that's exactly what the woman did. Because Jesus used the terminology, he says, children, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And, and what did she do? She took Jesus's words and she ran with it. Because she says, yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. So that's what we ought to do. Take God's word. Take him at his word. Use it in our prayers. Take principles from the word of God. Use it in our prayers. But there's something else that I want to show you in these verses before we move on. Because in verse 30, it says that when the woman had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Just the way Jesus told her. He told her that the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she went home, she found her daughter without the demon in her anymore, but, but the daughter was lying on the bed. And that's a great reminder for us because it reminds us that, that God always does what he says. We can depend on his word. He is a faithful God. He is, in other words, trustworthy. Trustworthy. And again, it says in verse 31, departing for the, from the region of Tyre and Sidon. So now he's leaving Phoenicia and he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd of people, from the multitude, and he put his fingers in his ear and he spat. So Jesus spit on his own fingers and he touched the man's tongue with that saliva. And then in verse 34, Jesus looking up to heaven. And so that that gives the man a sign that that God is the one who's about to work this miracle. As he looked up to heaven, Jesus sighed and he said, which is an Aramaic expression, and it means be open. And immediately this man's ears were open and the impediment of his tongue was loose and he spoke plainly. And so now Jesus had, had left from uh, Phoenicia, which is north of, of Israel. And now he arrived in the region of Decapolis. And it means 10 cities. And this region was southeast of the Sea of Galilee. And then in this, in this region, you had, you had more Gentiles. And these Gentiles were influenced by Greek culture. This is that very same area where that man, where that man was. Remember that man who had been delivered of the legion of demons? That man went there. Once he, once God, once Jesus cast the demons out of the man, he went to Decapolis and he preached. He let people know what Jesus had done for him. So it is that same area that Jesus is now in. And in this place, in the capitalist, in this region, they brought to him this man who could not hear. And obviously, he had a problem speaking. And no, we don't know how long this man has been in this condition. But of course, we know that it made life a little harder for this gentleman. Of course, he couldn't speak well because he couldn't hear what his voice sounded like. And so he has some issues that... He probably had for a while. And Jesus put his fingers in his ears, spit on his fingers and touched the man's tongue. And and maybe that was done to maybe signify to this man who couldn't understand him what he was about to do. That he was about to do something with his hearing and with his mouth. And of course, his actions would give this man the ability to hear and to speak. So he was no longer deaf and mute. We also see with the saliva that whatever was transferred from Jesus's mouth was transferred to his mouth. Whatever came from Jesus's mouth was put in this man's mouth, this saliva that Jesus touched him with. And, and my prayer is that God will give us the ability to hear spiritually. That God would would take what has come from his mouth, his word, and that he would put it in our mouths. That is our prayer. That should be our prayer. Lord, I don't want to say what the humanists are saying. I don't want to say what the philosophers are saying. Lord, I don't want to say what the politicians are saying. Lord, I want whatever comes from your mouth to be in my mouth. The words that you speak, the words that you had written, that, Lord, is what I want to speak. And so we need our ears to be open spiritually to the Lord before we can share the word of God more clearly. Open ears, open heart, open mouths. We want to communicate his message, not our own. And this miracle, by the way, that we see with the deaf hearing and the mute speaking now, this is a foretaste of the millennial kingdom, that thousand year reign of Christ, where he reigns visibly, physically on this earth. So in other words, what we see in this miracle is the kingdom of God visiting the area of the capitalist. And why has the kingdom of God visited? Why did I say it that way? Well, because the king has visited the area. The king, of course, being Jesus. And so what we see is a foretaste of the millennial kingdom. And in Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6, it says, then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame, that is the disabled, Shall leap like a deer in the tongue of the dumb, that is, those who can't speak, they'll be singing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And we'll get to see this, we'll get to experience this in the millennial kingdom of Christ. Well, people won't have any disabilities. It's going to have lush lands in the millennial kingdom. There's going to be peace between animals. There's going to be peace between animals and people. There's going to be peace between people and people worldwide peace. When Jesus Christ visibly and physically reigns on this earth for a thousand years, the earth, the scriptures tell us, will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Just like the sea covers the earth and then there's going, to be, there's going to be peace, there's going to be righteousness. And the scriptures tell us in, in Revelation chapter 20 that those of us who are a part of that first resurrection, we're going to rule and reign with him in that kingdom for a thousand years and, and glorify bodies that won't have a sin nature anymore. Verses 36 and 37 and Mark 7, it says, then Jesus commanded them that they should tell no one, but just like in our earlier studies, the more he commanded the people, the more widely they proclaimed it. They published it openly and they were astonished. They were struck with amazement exceedingly or beyond measure. And what they said was he has done all things well. He has done all things excellently. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So brothers and sisters, I I just want to focus right there on on, on verse 37. I want to focus right there on what these people said about Jesus. Notice that they said he has done all things well. He didn't do some things well, or 25% well. No, he has done all things well. Whatever he set out to do, he's done it, and he did it excellently. This statement reminds me of the phrase that's used by some people, and it brings us to the title of tonight's study. Reminds me of that phrase, the total package. Because with him doing all things well, I think of him being the total package. And many times we talk about athletes. We talk about track athletes. We, we, we talk about football players. We, we talk about basketball players. And we will refer to some of them as the total package. Why? Because they have a multiple set of skills that they do well. That they do equally well. And in regard to, to non-athletes, we will say that that person or, that, or those people are total packages when they have multiple things going on for them in their lives. Oh, they could cook. Not only can they cook, but oh, they're smart too. Not only are they smart and can cook, but they're funny at the same time. And so we would consider that some people are total packages, even non-athletes. But we could use this same phrase for people who just don't look good on the outside. Oh, but they look good spiritually. They're just not handsome or beautiful on the outside. But spiritually speaking, they're beautiful as well. Because what you see from them is the life of Christ. They smell like Jesus. They, they talk like Jesus. They, they do things like Jesus. They have the heart of Christ. They love like Jesus. And so there's some people you can call the total package because they have a bunch of skills. They look good on the outside. And even more so, they're they're handsome and beautiful on the outside spiritually. From what they do on the outside spiritually, when you hear their words, when you see what they do. But yeah, that statement they made about Jesus. Yes, I come to the conclusion that he is. The total package. I came to that conclusion myself because even in the scriptures, in this study, in previous studies, we see that he's the total package in loving people. He, he loves the Jews and he loves the Gentiles, the non-Jews. He, he loves those who don't have a disability and he loves those who has a disability. We see that he loves the saints, but he also loves the sinner to the point where while we were yet sinners, he sent. Jesus, to die for our sins. So yes, Jesus, yes, God our Father is the total package. We see in the scriptures that not only does he help women, but God helps men. Not only does he make the mute speak, but he gives hearing to the deaf. He also gives sight to the blind. And so we see that he's the total package in regard to To helping people who are disabled to overcome their speech problem, their deaf, help them to overcome their their hearing problem and give sight to people who can't see. We see that Jesus is the total package in that he can speak a word to perform a miracle or he can touch somebody and perform a miracle. Or with the Syrophoenician woman, he didn't even touch her, he didn't touch the daughter. He just spoke a word and it happened. But with this man who was deaf and, and mute, he touched him. He even used spit in the miracle. Jesus is the total package is that he, he can cast out demons and heal the sick and He can cleanse lepers. He can make paralyzed people walk. The scriptures also tell us in our earlier studies that he can even raise the dead and he can even feed the multitude with a, a few. Loaves of bread, five loaves of bread and two fish. What we will see as impossible, God sees as possible. So he's the total package. This, this same Jesus, this same God can calm the wind and the sea and the same water that he can calm, he can walk on. The same problems that we would drown in, he can walk over. The same stuff that we would sink in, he can reach down his hand and pull us up. Remember Peter. Lord, save me. The same Jesus can not only teach the word of God, but he can preach, he can proclaim. The same Jesus is not only compassionate, but he's gracious and he's righteous. A righteous Lord, a righteous God. And not only is Jesus the perfect God, but he's also perfect man. You have to remember that fully God, fully man. And not only does Does Jesus offer salvation for the immaterial part of us? Not only is salvation offered to our spirit and soul, but salvation is also offered to our bodies. You see, right right now as believers, our spirit is saved. We're born again. Our spirit is alive to God. We have a relationship with him in an experience called being born again. But right now our soul is being saved. In other words, We're going through a process of sanctification, being less like the old us and more like Jesus. But then you'll have that final stage of salvation where he'll even save our bodies. And it's called a glorified body. No more sin nature, no more death. It will be incorruptible. It will be built for eternity. And so even the salvation that he offers is total because Jesus is the total package and of course if if Jesus has done all things well so has the father and so has the holy spirit and because father son holy spirit is God so he does all things so well as the worship team comes up he does all things so well that whatever you need God to be he will be because he can be it. Why? Because he does all things well. Because he's the total package. Whatever you need him to be, he can be. So a question tonight that I want to pose to all of us in the room and online is what season are you in right now? What do you need him to be? Do you need him to be a father? Oh, he can be that. And I know personally, my, my biological father died in 2011. And I remember when I was young and I don't know how old I was, maybe 10. I remember my father telling me one day, yeah, one day I'm going to die. I remember going in the bathroom when he told me that he was going to die. I remember crying. And fast forward, he eventually died. And, you know, I had the honor of officiating his memorial service. But guess what? I never felt like I lacked the father because God is my heavenly father. And so whatever I needed God to be that he was to me, he was that. And he could do a good job of it because he has done all things well. Because he's that total package or maybe somebody tonight needs a healer. Or if you need a healer, he can be that because he does all things so well. Maybe some of you need wisdom. Well, approach him for wisdom because He can be that person, that one to give you wisdom. He can be that for you and he'll do a good job of it. Or maybe, maybe you need boldness tonight. Oh, he could be that one to give you that boldness. Or maybe somebody tonight is feeling lonely. Oh, just like he, how he was that friend for Abraham. He can be your friend as well. The scriptures tell us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Oh, he'll be your company tonight. He'll be your company for a a lifetime. He'll be your friend or maybe someone with all the stuff that's going on around us. You are in need of encouragement. Oh, he could be the one to give you that encouragement because he's the total package. He does all things well. Whatever you need him to be, he can be that. And he'll do an excellent job of it. And maybe tonight somebody's in a state of confusion. Oh, I'm throwing darts, but I don't know who it's going to hit. So maybe there's a state of confusion right now. You have questions and, and you have not received one iota of an answer. Nothing makes sense in your life or in your situation that right now. So my encouragement to you will be stay focused on God because right now you are confused. Of course, Right now, you seem lost. Right, right now, you haven't found a scripture that exactly matches your situation in this state of confusion in the, to the point where you want to give up. And, and guess what? The encouragement, once again, is to stay focused on God because one day, you're going to look back on all this stuff that you didn't understand. Lord, why did you allow that in my life? Why didn't you allow me to get that? Why didn't you allow me to go there? And you're going to look back and say, oh, Lord, it all made sense. It all made sense. You won't be able to say, Lord, you messed up. When you look back, you'll be able to look back and say what these people said in Decapolis. Lord, you have done all things well. I was confused at that time, ready to give up at that time. But when I look back at how you caused things to fall in place, Lord, you've done it so well. So I just pray that prayer of encouragement over you tonight. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to thank you, Lord, that... You're always an on-time God. We have confusion about certain things. Things don't make sense right now. Things seem out of place right now. And some of us are maybe thinking that you've messed up. But Lord, one day, we'll look back and see how wise you are. That you knew exactly what you were doing. You wanted to grow us. You wanted to purge certain things out of us. You wanted to take us to another level. Otherwise, we wouldn't have knocked on that door of that other level. And we'll see that one day and say, Lord, you have done all things well. So I just pray for comfort and peace and encouragement over my brothers and sisters tonight who need it. And we pray that this week, Lord, you would use them for your glory. That you keep them safe from harm. And those requests that are in secret, Lord, we pray that you would answer those requests. And bless them openly according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. amen, amen, so we want to thank you all for coming out tonight. Uh, please keep each other in prayer, be flexible and available for the Holy Spirit to use you and just be encouraged that as long as God is your Father that you will not lack whatever. He knows you need. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.